Hi, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Great to have you here. Um, I'm, my name's Colin. For those of you that haven't met me before, I'm one of the leaders here at Anthem, kind of pulling double duty this morning. Uh, Mikey, our normal worship leader, is away with, uh, there's nine people up at Camp Berea for Deep Freeze in New Hampshire. So we are excited to have a, a bunch of our middle schoolers and high schoolers up at that. So pray that those guys have a great weekend. They'll be back with us next weekend, of course, totally fired up. <coughs> It's pretty cool to have with us this morning a bunch of friends from RHM or Restoration House Ministries, this line of people here. Let's welcome these guys this morning because they're guests with us this morning. Um, uh, Eric and Aaron somewhere too, I think, um, uh, and a team. Uh, Restoration House Ministries have had a part to play in getting Anthem launched over this last year, so we're grateful for their support and being partners with them um, as we find ways to connect people across New England to, to new churches. So chat with Eric at the end of the service if you'd like to kind of get to know a little bit about what they do. And it's good to have these guys here with us for the, for the Sunday as well. Um, just uh, And then if you've got one of these programs, uh, will you leave this space blank? You know, there's a kind of updates on what's going on in the front. We leave this blank. So if, if anything stands out to you from the day, from the message, or if you feel like God speaks to you about something through the day, which is our hope, that you write that down. Maybe you just write down some scripture verses. Trust me, the next uh, 30 minutes or hour that I'm up here, no, just kidding, uh, the next 30 minutes that I'm up here, um, the most important thing you could write down would be some scripture verses. Because what I say may be good or bad, but what the Bible says is never changing and is awesome. And so if there's something that you want to take home and look up, I'd encourage you to write it down. You know, you'll see the scripture references on here, write it down. And then there's details about and dates of some of the things that we went through in the sort of the hosting um, time this morning earlier. We've been, been, uh, we've been talking for last week and this week on this theme of what we've called the dangerous act of worship. And the idea of this uh, kind of two weeks, and we may sort of extend this and come back to it a little bit later, is just this thought that if we could become the kind of people who are ready to offer God the kind of worship he deserves, our lives being a living sacrifice, our lives being laid down, we could see the world change. Not, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to be for there to be a correlation between those two things. But if you were here last week, or if you weren't, I just want to just give a sort of a bit of a recap. I talked from a passage in the Old Testament where the king of the southern Israeli kingdom, the, king of, the kingdom of Judah, uh, was going up against multiple enemies, and his strategic battle plan was to put the worshipers and the singers and the musicians at the head of his army as they went into battle against three opposing enemies. And, you know, oddly enough, that strategy worked because God had said to them, hey, this battle isn't isn't yours to fight. You don't have to fight it. This battle is mine. I'm going to take care of it. How about you fight this battle my way rather than fighting this battle your way? And he said, okay, what's your way? And he said, put the singers and, and the musicians at the head of the army. And it sounds crazy, but they did it. And God brought about an incredible victory. Basically, God used the worship of his great name to be the thing that would usher in a victory for his people rather than their own plans or their own strategies. And how many times have we seen that in our lives where we've wanted to, uh, we've wanted to fix a problem our own way rather than invite God and say, okay, God, what's your way for me to fight this battle? 
what's your way for me to engage in this conflict? And it may be that, uh, that for us, the, the, the thing we've got to do is to enter into what Hebrews 13, 15 calls a sacrifice of praise, to begin to offer a sacrifice of worship to our God. So we're going to go to the, 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 the book of Romans in the New Testament today, and Romans chapter 12. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome and to Christians in the Roman Empire. And Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, reads like this. It says, Therefore, I urge you... Bro- we're going to come back to that word, therefore, in a minute. Get ready. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, I remember growing up, growing up in church in England, small church, even smaller than this. Uh, we used to have a guest preacher uh, from the north. He was from the very, very top of northwest uh, Scotland, a little town called Fraserburgh, and uh, his name was Mr. Fernie. And he was Mr. Fernie was like five feet tall, and he was like a hundred years old or something. But uh, uh, he'd done some incredible things through his life and started churches all over Scotland. And he had this deep Scottish accent. And I was just always intrigued by this little fellow. And uh, he would stand up there and preach. And he said this a couple of times when he visited our church. <clears throat> and, and you can see this. Uh, Ryan, go back to that first verse that we had up on the, the verse there, Romans uh, uh, 12, verse 1. He said, whenever you see the word therefore in the scripture, you should ask yourself, what's it therefore? You know, why is that verse there? So why is that word there? And essentially he's saying this, that uh, what Paul is saying, therefore, because of everything that God has done, so take into consideration everything that you know, take into consideration everything that you've experienced, because of what God has already done, because of God's mercy showered upon every single one of us, because God sent Jesus to face torture and a brutal execution for uh, knowing that him carrying my sin would set me free from sin, because of all that, like, therefore, because of all that you've experienced, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Is in a sense, the smallest thing we could do is continue to offer this sacrifice of worship, this sacrifice of praise to God. So by Paul's definition, worship is our response to what God has already done. Our whole, our whole self-response to the work of God in our lives. God created worship. He created the experience of me responding to him. It all comes from him. In fact, last week I read that quote from Richard Foster that said this, Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Imagine that. It's like this this musical analogy, these overtures of love, this constant singing over us, this constant orchestral playing over us, this, this love after love after love just lavished upon our lives. And, uh, our, and worship is our response to this amazing uh, breadth of God's love that's poured out all over us, that we should, as a result of that, offer our bodies, offer our lives as a living sacrifice. He invites us to be transformed by our minds being renewed. 
And I honestly feel that this feeds in to should feed in dramatically to what we do when we gather together, when we sing, when we listen to God's word being spoken, whether it's me or anything, or whether it's through any art or music that we have here, that it should feed into the way that we connect, the way that we come together and say, I'm not just here because of a religious ritual that I've been doing for a number of years, and maybe it's changed from church to church, but, but, but I believe that this, this hour or so that we spend together should be a, a, an hour or so that shapes our entire week, that it's one of those periods of time through our week that shapes us because we're investing in opening our lives and our hearts to God in worship and opening our minds and our hearts to God in His Word. And so I've always made it a habit. If I'm sitting in church and somebody's speaking from a passage of Scripture, I'm always there on my device reading that passage of Scripture myself, actually looking at it, actually not just looking at it maybe for the for the three seconds that it's on the screen, but actually thinking, how can this piece of God's Word right here shape me? I feel, I feel like um, the, 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 uh, the therefore, let's offer our lives as living sacrifice. One of those places that it should impact is what we do here together as a community. Now, um, uh, I, I want to uh, we'll do a bit of interactive stuff this morning. Are we good with that? Good. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> you said yes before you know what I'm actually going to ask you to do. But uh, everyone, like, turn to the person next to you and, and, and change clothes. No, just kidding. Um, let's not do that. But uh, as we go on this morning, I just want to kind of have some fun, get us involved. Uh, Megan Marshman, who's a, a Bible teacher and author and speaker, she says that uh, you think back to the way that kids learn their ABCs. How's it done? It's done through a song. Somebody said it's done through a song. Like, Kids learn their ABCs just two, three years old. How is it to get that they, in their minds, can get 26 different sounding letters in their minds and in their heads and and able to recite them so clearly because it's done in a song, right? I was just talking to Mikey and Brittany uh, just last week. Mikey normally leads worship, and Brittany, of course, um, oversees our fantastic Anthem Kids program. And they were talking about Eden, who's two and something. Somebody help me. Is she two and something? And... uh, uh, and like she loves Frozen, of course, because why wouldn't she? But she walks around the house, let it go, let it go, and and just and then the rest of it is like, and if you've got little ones, you know that like they start off with the one hook of a song, and then it's perhaps years before they realise they were singing the wrong words entirely, and uh, you know it gradually kind of the, the actual words gradually get learned because. Uh, there's something about music, something about song and singing that engages our whole self. That's why God created it. Did you know God created music? Right? It's, it's God's idea. It isn't something that like, got thought up along the way. In fact, uh, 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 songs and music have an enormous impact on your life and my life. Let's try something here this morning. So um, here we go. Join in when you can. All you need is... Right, four words, right? And you knew exactly what to do, right? Four words that have been stuck and ingrained in your minds. doesn't matter whether you like or hate the Beatles or anything like that, but you could do that with any room in the West probably, and they'd know exactly what to do. Because song and music impacts every part of us. Um, it's, it's not like somebody sat you down one day and asked you to memorize that. Like marketing people know this, right? The people that sell us stuff, they know how this works, right? We are farmers. Did you know you'd be doing that when you came to church today? 
Maybe not. It's, it's, it's the engagement of our hearts and our minds and everything that music tends to do to us. Now, a little bit more scripture here. Paul, in another letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, wrote this in uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's Colossians 3.16. Let's keep this up there for a few minutes. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. So there's a little bit of a thought for our conversation, thought for when we're out to dinner with one another, we're hanging, if you go to lunch with people, is the message of Christ, is God's work a topic of conversation? Is, God, is what God's done in you, is what God's doing in you, part of the, the process of our conversation as people who are learning to follow Jesus. As it says, as, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. It should be like all over our conversation, both here and outside here. As we teach and admonish one another. Everybody say one another. Right. As we teach and admonish one another. Now, I'm okay with teaching. Quite frankly, I don't really want anybody admonishing me. Like, that sounds like you know, but like the, the, the idea here is that we should be the kind of people that teach, inspire, coach, encourage, support, and even discipline, chide, and admonish one another towards serving God with everything we've got. It is my job as your brother to let you know when you're going the wrong direction. And it is your job to do that for one another too, and for me, and to inspire and encourage and even admonish one another towards putting God first in our lives. How does that sound? That's like a real, it's like, it's like we're a real family. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's what it's supposed to be like. We're a community, a family that's all about uh, fulfilling God's word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. But wait a minute. This takes it up this very slightly odd notch as you teach and admonish with one another with all wisdom, that's important, through psalms, through hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's like a little bit odd. Somehow, the worship that I bring could be teaching and admonishing a person who's sitting next to me in church. Isn't that crazy? That I, I, I think back to these early, the early churches we read, and many of them would have, been, would have been house churches meeting just in somebody's home, sometimes in secret. And that still happens all across the world. And you can imagine a group of people standing in a circle and, and standing almost looking at each other. And as they worship, their worship is impacting one another. The idea that, that, that you, Eric, are going to come here this morning and you're going to worship God, with everything that you are, could impact Freddie back there, you know, or that could be that our worship impacts one another. I hope that when people come to Anthem for the first time, and if you're here for the first time, you're very welcome to join us every week, Sunday morning, 10.30. We'd love to have you part of the family. As people come to Anthem for the first time, I hope that when they walk in the door, even if they're not totally down with who Jesus is or with what Christianity is all about, I hope that they're at least willing to say, I don't know exactly what they're into, 
but I know that they're into it. And I know those people because something about the way they sing, something about the way that they engage with what's going on when this community is together inspires me to find out more. And it inspires me to live a life following Jesus. Let's do a couple more just for fun. Sweet Caroline. All right, this is working good. All right. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh. All right, you see what I mean? This stuff just, we, I got nine more of these, by the way. No, we'll, we'll leave it there. Think back. Think back to this passage of scripture we mentioned earlier, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, one of the kings of Judah, enemies coming at him from all sides. Think of a king leading his army into battle to put the worshippers at the front of the army. Ah, that's nice, Jehoshaphat, but it's going to get us killed. You know, it's like it's not a great plan. But you know there was something about the energy with which you came back at me on that last song. That There's almost like an aggression in it and this confidence that you had because I kind of you know, instilled it with you, gave you a little bit of a, a run-up towards that final one that you had to stretch out for. God created worship, but he also commands it. He commands worship in us. He, he's asking for us all throughout the Psalms. You see this, sing, lift your hands, clap your hands, all you nations, bow before me. He commands it and asks us to engage in worship. There's a, a time in, in the, the book of Acts when Paul and his buddy Silas, uh, these two uh, entrepreneurs of the early Christian faith, blazing a trail around the, the Mediterranean uh, to bring God's word into cities and towns and this in, uh, where, where it hasn't been preached yet. They get, uh, they get incorrectly put in jail in Philippi for preaching, completely unjustly. And they're in, in jail. It's midnight. It's, it's black as it can be. I mean, Think of jail and then think of it 2,000 years ago. This isn't a place for your comfort and your security. Or this would, this, I can imagine this being an awful environment. And that, you know, stocked up to the walls and can barely move. And Paul turns to Silas and says, we, we probably should worship, shouldn't we? That seems the right thing to do. And honestly, I'm not sure if I've got that faith. I'm not sure if the natural response... Remember, the natural response of the follower of Jesus should be a sacrifice of praise. And if you're in prison, chained to the wall, it's a sacrifice. But they offered a sacrifice of praise. Acts 16 verse 25 says this, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. God did a miracle as a result of their worship. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. This incredible situation, incredible darkness, no hope. Two guys committed to worshiping with everything they've got. God commands worship not just because, we, because he needs it, not, not really because he needs it. He doesn't need anything from us. But he knows that we need it. 
He knows that we need to be the kind of people that will regularly point our attention to him in darkness or light. Point our attention to him in every situation that we're in. Through this next week, when you're sitting at the lights, worship God. Through this next week, when, when you're, you're faced with a conflict, worship God. When you're, when you're waking up, grabbing your phone, getting ready to scroll through Facebook, you know who you are. And, uh, and like think, maybe, maybe, just maybe this morning, I'll put that thing down just for 20 minutes. Just for 15 minutes, just to decide, you know what? That takes second place in my life. God, the, God is worthy of worship. He commands it because he knows we need that regular recentering of who we are towards him. The, the, uh, one author says that, those, that Paul and Silas didn't let the prison shake the foundation of their wor- worship. They let the, the, the foundation of their worship shake the prison. How awesome is that? That these guys just turned a natural situation on its head by putting God's first, putting God first. You know, God commands this worship for us because he knows that we need to worship him. He also commands it for those around us as well. And you might think this is crazy, but right here in this passage of scripture, you see a jailer, a guy who perhaps has no uh, experience or understanding of who God is comes in and experiences these guys worshiping God, the miracle that takes place, and in no time at all, he's like, what should I do to be saved? And right there is, is a future church planter. Like the church in Philippi gets, gets started by a, a, a dealer in purple cloth, a slave girl, and a jailer. Like these three people are the, are the, the key players, along with Paul and Silas, in getting that church started. And it's because these two guys committed to worshiping God in whatever situation they're in. I think when the world hears true worship, when the, word, when the world watches the church live lives of true worship to God, they'll be impacted to our commitment to Christ. It's not, of, not because we need it. It's because the world needs it. Now, I want to try something else a little bit this morning. and I want to recognize that, that many of us are feeling like, I haven't got time or a thought for the rest of the world this morning. I've got so much going on in my life. Things are a little complicated, and you want to just receive. And I totally get that, and that's legitimate. Some of us need to realize that our worship could be for somebody else today. What we bring, it could be in a sense us bringing something. It could be in a sense us bringing something so that somebody else can receive. It could be that so that somebody else here can receive. It could be so that somebody else far away can receive. And I want to just illustrate this at the piano a little bit, and actually... Uh, band, why don't you come up for a, for a couple of minutes? We'll have the band join me on this as well. I will get a glass of water. I told you this is going to be interactive today, didn't I? We've only just been... A- anyway, um, here we go. Uh, a simple song that we've sung here before a number of times, so I know it's not something that, that you need any help uh, singing, but sing this simple chorus with me. Lord, I need Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness My God, how I need you All right, so completely easy. And... If you need those lyrics sung to you this morning, I want you to sing them 
with all your heart, knowing that, God, I am in a tough spot right now, and I need to receive. God, I'm in a situation of darkness. I'm in a situation of difficulty or conflict. That Maybe it's been a tough year or a tough decade. I don't know. But, but there's definitely some of us who are in here that would need to say, I need to sing this because I need these lyrics to, to be ingrained in my spirit. And maybe there's some of you here who think, well, yeah, but I need you, Jesus, because I know that my mom needs you right now. And I know that I've got a family member specifically who's in some pain. And I need you, Jesus, to enter into that situation. And I know that this person around me needs a miracle that you can, only you can bring. Maybe it's you think about a co-worker that's that you're saying, God, I need you for that co-worker because that co-worker's in a deep depression and I don't even know how I can handle it or how, what my next step is, but I need you. And so for a few moments, I want us to sing this song together and we'll just sing this chorus, nothing more, nothing less. But I know that each one of us can engage in this for the benefit of ourselves or for the benefit of the world. Let's stand together for a couple of minutes as we sing. Isn't that great to just think for a minute about how our worship 
could impact not only our lives and the lives of the people around us sitting next to us and around this room, but those in our community. God didn't just create worship and command it. He also, he also deserves it as well. He deserves it. Romans 12 one says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies everything that you are as a living sacrifice. Most religious experiences are, do this, 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 and then you'll be accepted. Most, most religions are, here's what you've got to do to please the, the creator, and then, and then you get let in. But following Jesus is the exact opposite. The message of Christianity is you've been given this mercy You've been given this free gift of salvation. You've been able to walk into God's presence and thank Him. So thank Him. So come in and offer God your body as a living sacrifice. We're offering something back to Him. He deserves our worship. Louis Giglio says, worship is when we give God His breath back. Think about that for a second. If everything that, if everything that we have from God is in a sense a result of Him breathing over us. Right in creation, when God creates, the, the word in the, the, the original Hebrew is the word ruach, Adonai, ruach, the wind. The, the, and I love the word ruach because it almost sounds like the wind. And it's a, it's a Hebrew word that talks about the, the wind or the breath of God. And if everything that God has done for us and done in creation is a result of Him breathing over us, if the love that he's given to us is a result of him breathing over us, then our worship is when we breathe back. We give God his breath back. And we can sit here as Christians today because the Holy Spirit has entered our lives. The breath of God has entered our lives when we, when we made that decision to accept Christ. So I'm responding to you today, God, because of everything you've done for me. You freed me from sin. You've freed me from the penalty of death. You've freed me from, you've, you've given, you've promised me eternity. And as, as we learn what it is to put into operation the dangerous act of worship, I pray that we might all get away from this thought that the music is just here. Because you always need a band for like a, a speaker, right? You kind of need a warm-up thing like the Tonight Show or something like that that we will recognize and understand that our, our times together as a worshiping community are to reach out to one another, are to extend my praise so that my heart gets changed, so that the person's heart next to me gets changed, so that the person who I'm praying for in the midst of this gets changed. And I know because I know so many of your situations that you have people around you that need miracles in their lives and you need God's presence in your life. And I pray that we will be the kind of people that learn and learn and relearn what it is to worship God with everything that we've got so that we can extend our worship to the world. And today I want us to just to spend a few moments time together uh, in worship to our God together, like we always do. But I pray that today some of God's word will impact your heart as we continue to put this into operation. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, we recognize that you are the giver of life. You're the giver of breath. 
You're the one who has brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You're the one who has taken us from the place of death that we were once in and put us on a rock, put us, given us a firm place to stand, as the psalmist says. And this morning, Lord Jesus, as we continue to give back to you from wherever we are this morning, whatever place of pain or strength that we're in this morning, Lord, I pray that we will come to you and give you what we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray.